enthusiasm, and there's nothing like March Madness. AEC, ACC, A Sun, A Ten, Big East, Big Sky, Big South. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the March Only Podcast. I am your host, Troy Macker, and I'm really stoked because it's another episode of the March Only Podcast. Duh. Remember that this podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, so like, rate, share, tell your friends, subscribe, all that stuff. Today is really awesome because I get to talk with Ryan Fagan, who is a very close friend of mine. I worked with at Sporting News. We've gone on the road together to cover four basketball games in one day. He is an avid fan of the road trip, as am I. And he also has a ton of knowledge about the mid-majors, the low-majors, and great tournament upsets. All right, I'm super excited to bring in uh, my guest today because I used to work with him and he's one of my closest friends in the industry and one of the, the nicest people I've gotten to meet and hang out with and we have similar opinions. We like to do same things, uh, nice craft beer, some fly fishing, and watch college hoops. And that's Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News. It's, it's been a while since we've talked. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Troy, man. How are you doing? Doing good. You know, this is, this is my favorite time of the year. And, and I think it is for you because is this your favorite time of the year or is this the, the craziest time of year for you? Because you balance the start of baseball, which is a f- – who doesn't love spring training, smell of cut grass, everything about getting outside, plus March Madness? What What is the month of March and April like for you? It's crazy. There's no doubt about it, but, I mean, I love it. I mean, you know you know me. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to trying to plan out spring training stories, trying to do the Field of 68 NCAA tournament projections and do all this stuff. I mean, it's it's awesome. I went down to – I was down in Phoenix because we just launched uh, Sporting News Japan in the last year, and so we have a a, a, a desire for content about stars from Japan and mm-hmm. Shohei Otani showing up with the Angels. So I was down in Phoenix for his arrival. You know, I'm standing there at like 8:30 in the morning on pitchers and catchers reporting day with I think I counted 56 members of the media from Japan waiting in front of the players' parking lot for Otani to arrive. And I'm just thinking, this is awesome. You know, I, I loved it. Going out there and watching him take BP, watching him go through drills, that was a lot of fun. Came back and done a lot of college hoop stuff. You know, I'll be at the first weekend of the tournament here in Charlotte, heading out to L.A. for the second weekend, and that's actually a combo thing, too. I'm doing the, the basketball games, I think, of the 22nd and 24th, and then there are three exhibition games, the last three games of spring training that the Dodgers and Angels are playing 25th, 26th, 27th, so I'll be at those games. So yeah, this this time of year is, is busy. It's hard to find a chance to to breathe, but man, it's it's the best. Yeah, and that's really cool that you're you're mixing them together, especially out in LA. And that's something that you've when you do something, I feel like it's you try to put as much into it. Like you've done. <laughs> I mean, we both have a, a connection because we both a fan of the road trip. Uh, I did a huge one across the country. You've done how many how many college uh, basketball road trips have you done? It's like it. I think this is the eighth or ninth year, and a couple of years I did two road trips: one through South Carolina, one through North Carolina. So yeah, it's, and this is something you know. I mean, I've done 
I did when I was two years out of undergrad. I spent 40 days driving from St. Louis to Seattle and back. You know, I've done all kinds of road trips in, in undergrad. Um, we did one. We called it my sophomore year. We called it the alphabet tour. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that started with every letter of the alphabet in order. And this is before, you know, phone GPS. We're actually sitting there with a Rand McNally atlas and fold-out maps trying to find a town that started with a Q, you know, these types of things. So, yeah, I mean, road trips have been a lifelong passion. I know I watched you and Rob do your big old road trip thinking I'm insanely jealous of these two right now. And at the time, I didn't even really know you guys. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, it's, it's, you know, life is what you make of it. And, and I enjoy seeing life on the road. Yeah, and it makes, you know, something that a lot of people think is work even more fun than it already is because you get to yeah. get out and see the world and just being out in a car and thinking about stuff. You have a lot of time to think about the games and programs, and it's, you know, it, it's a physically and mentally daunting task. You know, we, we went on a four-game, one-day triangle road trip in North Carolina, I believe in 2015, I think. Um yeah. And at yep. the end of the day, I, I couldn't, I could not form complete sentences because I, it just, <laughs> but it was awesome. And we were racing from game to game. I don't think we saw a complete full game, but it was the, it's the experience. Um, and you know, the cross country one I did with Rob is one of the coolest things I've ever did. You know, we, our friendship literally almost ended, but like, that's why we can still today be jerks to each other. Cause we spent a month together on the road. What is, well, that's you didn't go to Wyoming. That's why you're, you almost had the fight, right? You know, I've had multiple people on. I had Rob on. I've had a couple other people who 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 that's in their their wheelhouse, and they didn't bring it up. So I thought if Rob didn't go th- bring it up, I was in the clear. But yeah, you know, I haven't. I've never fought back against that because it's a fool's errand. But I'm in. I will contend. I'm in the right here. But um, that that's like a podcast for its own. Yes. Yes. I don't want to get you distracted no, here. No. But so, what's the favorite? road trip you've been on like you did a road trip i remember when we were working together that you like you went fly fishing and canoeing in between games do you have a favorite one not 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 fly fishing it was just uh, spin spin cast fishing Mm. but i got these little marabou jigs that i get from a a canoe rental in southern missouri on the 11 point river and I, i stopped in there to go canoeing one time and they were selling these things so now like once a year i call up the owner and we have this big order of these little marabou jigs and i stock up on the year but yeah there's a couple times i've done uh little trout fishing stopped at the saluda river right outside of columbia south carolina it's coming off of a big lake so the water is very cold even though it's warmer in columbia south carolina than you'll see from most places where you can catch trout uh, it's pretty cool you know stopped a couple times there um you know there was one the year before we did our before you and paul and i a photographer went along uh, 2014, that started in Chapel Hill, went to Duke, and that George George H. W. Bush was at that game. Right. Was out, right. But yeah. So there was that was the uh, day I went to uh, UNC Greensboro for the third game, and then I think Elon was the fifth game. And Elon's got a great um, a great facility. I think it's the Phoenix Gym. It's 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 what you would imagine North Carolina basketball to be like in the state of North Carolina. And so that was a lot of fun watching that at the end. And I remember at the end of that road trip, I'm sitting there writing out the, the last entry in my story. And there were like these 10 little boys who probably were 
between like six and 10 years old playing basketball with one of those little fake plastic basketballs that didn't really balance. They didn't care because they just watched uh, Elon. I think they played UMass that day. Um, they'd watch their, their, those players play basketball and they wanted to play on the same court. And I was just like, this is so much fun, you know, to see, to see all these different things and see from, from Duke to Elon to UNCG to, to North Carolina to watch all those different levels of schools play. Uh, that, that, that was pretty cool. It's, it's so funny you kind of painted that year like that because the road trip we went on together, it was I have the same similar thoughts about it in that the it was the North Carolina Georgia Tech game it was a blowout but it was also the first game at North Carolina since the passing of Dean Smith or they were honoring him there and the first possession yeah. of the game Roy Williams came out and had his players do the four corners. Yeah, and I'm I've only ever heard of that because you know as a Georgetown fan I, I know the '82 championship game and to see it was just like it's living history and the respect like I grew up on reading about the old games and watching the Dean Smiths of the world to see that and then you know we go to see Duke and Clemson play it was the first time I'd see a game at Cameron and the final game was at High Point and just like Elon incredible facility. That's exactly yeah. what you imagine North Carolina basketball to be. And the last thing I remember as like, I'm eating Domino's thin crust pizza, which they had, which was awesome. Um, and we're watching these, I think it was the the little kid who's the son of the, the coach at high point who was dribbling the yeah. basketball around. It's like 1030 at night. He's got energy. I was like, this is what it's about. Like, it's not about retweets or clicks. It's like, it just, it, I feel alive almost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's one, there's one indisputable truth is when you're on a road trip like that, it doesn't matter what food you're eating, it tastes awesome because you're so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and you forget to eat because you're so excited and you're doing all this stuff and watching all this stuff that you forget to eat. So when you do eat, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. This year I did, I added for the first time, I added a, um, a Juco game to the, to the yeah. roster, to the slate. Because, you know, it's like every year you try to do something a little bit different. That's why I added the fishing in a couple times. I try to do as many games as possible. Yeah, and to go to Wake Tech, um, right outside of, right in the triangle there. To go to that game, that was awesome too. You know, it's just, it's, there's so much that you can do if you just kind of, you know, open your eyes a little bit. And that's what I try to make a point is if we're going to cover this sport, we're going to talk about this sport. We need to know the sport. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean just going to UNC or, or uh, Duke every single time, but that means kind of seeing everything that is in those, those under levels as well. Is there a road trip that you haven't done that you have always wanted to do? Oh yeah, without I mean, so many. <laughs> There's not enough time to do them all. But what what I would what I would love to do is I would love to, to one year plan out something that involves the palestra. <laughs> yeah, there are so many teams right in the Philly area, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I've never been there. Um, but to see to see that uh, do a road trip in that area that involves uh, a game there. That would that would be one of them. I would love to do something in um, in Ohio that involves Xavier and Cincinnati. Ideally, when they play each other, yes, um, something like that. You know, there's just there's so many there's so many things, and you know, I've, I've gotten the chance to, like I said, experience a lot of North Carolina basketball at different levels. Um, I've done the same with the state of Indiana on that road trip back in 2008. You know, I mean, I, I remember I wound up and I didn't know anything about these these ladies before I went there, but I wound up talking to um, these, these two, the sweetest ladies that I'd ever met, you know, who went, who had had 
season tickets at Evansville for 30 years, something like that, since there was a plane crash. And I'm going to get the year wrong. I think it was in 1980, right around there. But ever since then, they said, you know, we thought the team needed support. So they've had season tickets ever since then. So it's getting those things, you know, and seeing that level um, everywhere else. I mean, I was just out in, in Arizona. I went to the Arizona State-Arizona game, and that was an awesome game. I'd love to do, you know, not that there's many D1 schools out there, but if you could somehow figure out some sort of road trip that was Arizona State, Arizona, and Grand Canyon or something like that. There's just so much great stuff out there that, that road trips that have to be done at some point. Yeah. Yeah, the one the one that I've, I've always wanted to do is uh... – the northwest to the southwest um you know start with gonzaga uh, uh big, i was trying to think of everything within like a day or two. oh yeah no 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 just yeah. be, and also it it benefited us being on the east coast because we have so many teams um that you like i i remember when we were kind of planning our, our four game or trip like i think i gave like seven to eight different week options um, because there's so yeah. so many different games. Uh, once you get out west, there are less teams, and it's also larger. Um, but like, I would love to get to a game at Grand Canyon. The pit for me in New Mexico, while New Mexico is a bit down, is yeah. an iconic college basketball venue. Uh, the Cantaloupe Gonzaga. I'd love to see a, a Gonzaga St. Mary's game. That 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 is uh, on my hoops, on my unchecked uh, hoops bucket list is to see Gonzaga St. Mary's. So that one is for me. But there really there's endless possibilities because there's so yeah. many teams. We love the tournament because of the first and second weekend. I, we love the, all the weekends, but I think where the passion and the chaos and the fervor is is the first weekend, and that's where the mid-majors, low-majors do the most damage, and that's where stars are really born and remembered. And so it leads me to my next question. is The fun thing about uh, talking to a bunch of these people on these podcasts is that we get to talk about random players. That's one of my favorite things is the guys who, for just a moment, for just one shot or maybe one game or one or two days became national icons or heroes. And that's what the tournament can do. The Cinderella's is there one that always sticks out to you, a player that captured a moment or when you think March madness, you think of this guy. Yeah. I mean, I have no connection to Weaver state or, you know, I'm not, I'm not from North Carolina. I'm from St. Louis area. So I don't have any, uh, connection to UNC, but Harold the Show Arsenault. A 34-point performance for Harold Arsenault. Back in 1999, when the Weber State was, I think, a 14-seed, and they beat UNC, and he had like 36 points, and UNC had this great team, and they, they never lost in the first round. They hadn't lost in their opening game in like 20 years, something, two decades, something like that. And he came out, and he couldn't miss everything Carolina Drew Adam, he had an answer. I think he hit nine threes in that game. And, and I just remember thinking, that is what you're going for, that type of individual performance. And, you know, even when I, when I, to this day, when I'm trying to fill out my bracket, I'll look at those teams and say, okay, well, do they have a guy like Harold Arsenault who can drop 36 and win a game all by himself? But I just remember watching him. He was so fun to watch. That's a smooth shot. And, you know, he just, he, he took over that game in a way that, you know, I mean, it was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Now, obviously, he only did it one day, and I'm not saying he's like Steph Curry, but to drop that many points against that type of team was just something that I I definitely always remember. Yeah, it's those performances that um, really instill the the passion of of college hoops because it's 
you that's what's great about sports is it's not scripted it'll never be scripted and you don't want it scripted and it's you know i'll have the internal struggle of if this team pulls off an upset my bracket is toast but also don't i want to see like i the the kylo quinns of the world get a minute with um craig sager to have a killer interview and become a star and craft a career those are the moments we've had the whole year to get to know grace and allen and to get to know uh deandre ayton and those it's we have two hours on thursday and friday to get to know um you know giddy potts or um killian tilly or chandler hutchinson uh, guys who project as pros and they have the chance to capture an audience of a lifetime and if they do it it becomes an iconic moment and is there a moment or game for you, not including a Final Four game, because the easy answer is North Carolina Villanova, I think. Uh, but is there a game for you that sticks out as this is what March Madness is about? Well, I mean, there's, you know, I'm just just going off games that that I've been at. You know, I mean, I've, I'm not going to lie, I've been lucky. I've seen I've seen some stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was there in Tampa in 2008 when. Two 12 seed and two 13 seeds won their games. It was the first time it had ever happened that, that four seeds, 12 or worse, had won games in the same building, the same place. And I'm actually doing a, working on kind of a, a cool story for Sporting News um, that'll drop next week, talking to some of those guys. You know, I was at Lehigh beating Duke. It's one thing the 15 over two, it hadn't happened in 11 years, but then you factor in that it's Duke on the losing end. And what you have here, folks, one of the all-time shockers. Lehigh defeats Duke in the NCAA basketball tournament. 15 over 2. I was at um, Middle Tennessee beating Michigan State. So, I mean, there have only been eight 15 seeds to ever win in the, in the NCAA tournament. And I, and I was there for, for two of them, which the odds on that are just, you know, astronomical i can't even imagine but so i've seen some of that you know in that in that tampa region saw ty rogers from western kentucky hit a three-pointer at the buzzer um to give the western kentucky a a 101 to 99 win over drake you know i've seen just so many i mean even when butler made its first run i believe it was its first run to the to the title game you know there was a defensive stop at the end of the game that, that, that got them out of the first weekend. So, you know, there are so many of those moments that just, that I'm sitting, I'm sitting there on press row thinking how in the world did I get, I get so lucky to see these moments that everyone in the country is watching right now and to kind of experience that and talk to the guys, you know, I mean, and even though Southern didn't beat Gonzaga, I was there when Southern, and I'll never forget this. This is one of my favorite all time moments. The game, Gonzaga had a two-point lead with like four and a half minutes left. This kid for Southern, he was a 16 seed, trying to do what no one else had ever done before. Let me find his name real quick. It's Brandon Moore. He tried to dunk over Kelly Olenek. And I just remember thinking, you're a kid from Southern, a 16 seed, and you're trying to dunk over an All-American type player because you believe you can do it. And I just loved that moment because he said, we can do anything. He didn't make the dunk. He was fouled, made both free throws, tied the game. 
Gonzaga wound up winning by a couple points. But it was just that moment thinking, that's the tournament right there. You know, we can do anything. I don't care what anybody else thinks. We can do it. And they, you know, damn near was there for the, for the first time in 16, never beat a one. So I'll, I'll end with this, and it's kind of a Mount Rushmore question. And, you know, as we've discussed, you've, you've traveled to a ton of different places, and you've gotten a chance to really see basketball at the, the smallest, most community level, and you've covered a lot of these small conference tournaments. What, what are your four favorite small conference games or tournament experiences? Mid-major two. Mid-major two. Now we're talking when the, the smaller conference teams are in the NCAA tournament or just in their conference tournament? Uh, either or. It's up to you. Okay. Because I'll, I'll go two of them easy, and I already talked about them already. But Lehigh and Middle Tennessee, to, to be in that, those environments, to watch that happen. Because kind of like you talked about at the ACC tournament with Duke and Carolina and the other team's fans rooting, that was the same thing because Carolina and Duke were both in Greensboro. Right, so you have this little Lehigh, and you know at the time, only people who were college basketball diehards knew who CJ McCollum was. Yeah, clearly, he was he was worthy of that moment. You know, just phenomenal player, and everybody figured it out that day. But as Lehigh, as the Mountain Hawks stuck with Duke, started to take over that game, all of the North Carolina fans who were there started cheering for Lehigh. So you were talking about. Lehigh, this small school um, that had played with that many fans probably ever. These, these kids had never had that many people rooting for them because you had the full support of the very loud Lehigh contingent plus every, every person there wearing the baby blue cheering for them uh, from North Carolina. That was a, a very cool experience. And this is one that I will always remember, and this is, you know, other people may not care about it, but it was really cool for me. The first time I went to the SoCon tournament game in Asheville, you know, because, as we've talked about, I love to do a little trout fishing, um, I stopped at this little creek uh, called Curtis Creek in the town of Old Fort, which is probably about 45 minutes outside of Asheville. I stopped that day to catch a couple of fish on the way up to Asheville. So I posted a picture on Twitter, you know, didn't even think anything of it. So I go there, and you have Furman. Which was the 10 seed. It was 8 and 22 coming into that tournament. They had won three games. So they had the 10 seed facing the one seed Wofford. You know, Wofford had won the title the year before. They were looking for a second trip in a, in a row to the tournament. And it was a great game back and forth. Wofford wins in the end by a couple points. And I remember they brought, the TV folks brought Mike Young, who is Wofford's coach, over to do his post game interview. And I'd done a couple stories on Wofford through the year. So I knew, I knew uh, Mike a little bit. And I sit there, and he comes over, and he sees me. And, like, literally 20 seconds before he's about to go on ESPN to talk about his, his victory, he looks at me and goes, that was a great fish you caught today. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You're literally – you just accomplished this goal you've been working at for the entire year, um, and you're about to go on ESPN to talk about it. And you're really thinking about this trout that I caught. But that's the way that Mike Young's brain works. He sees somebody, you know, and he's like, let me, let me, you know, I'm paying attention because I care about these people. I care about everybody. And let me reach out and say that, yeah, I was thinking about that. You know, that really impressed me. And then I talked to Nico Medved, who now is the coach at Drake. Um, 
he was the coach at Furman then. I talked to him after that game. You know, I introduced myself, and he said, oh, yeah, you went fishing today, didn't you? And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? But that's the kind of stuff you can get necessarily at a smaller conference tournament. It was a great game. You know, the connection with these coaches and these players and just the excitement around it was just one of those things that, and that, that yeah, I, I know I've said this a thousand times in our conversation, but it's one of those things I'll never forget. Yeah, it's the the moment you just mentioned is really interesting because I had a similar one. It wasn't a tournament game, but it was on the road trip. We went to cover the Battle of the Boulevard, which is one of the coolest rivalries in the country. It's Lipscomb and Belmont. They don't play in the same conference anymore. They're separated by like a mile and a half, and it's the biggest thing in town. And so we we went to Nashville, and we were there at practice during the day. We have a friend who was an SID there at the time, and. So we watched practice and we're getting a tour of everything. And um, the head coach there, Rick Bird, is legendary head coach who's yeah. amassed over, I think, over 700 wins, uh, has turned Belmont into a premier mid-major and is almost always in the tournament. And so they, they lost to Lipscomb. It was the first time they lost in a long time. They were heavy favorites. And we're, uh, we're sitting in the press conference room. And he comes over to me afterwards and is like, hey, you're, you know, I saw you and your friend uh, at, at practice today. You guys are doing the trip, right? And I was like, <laughs> what? How do, you, how do you know about that? Like, uh, who knows? Maybe the SID told him to say it. But, like, he came over, shook my hand, was like, hey, man, sorry we couldn't get the win for you tonight. And I was like, what? This is, this is incredible. Like, it, it, and that's yeah. the thing is you don't, you don't get that at a lot of the, the uh, high majors. I'll, I will say this is – John Calipari does that. He, yeah. if he has time in his crazy post-game schedule, he will communicate and be of a normal person with people in the media. And, and you'd figure that one of the most powerful coaches in the country wouldn't do that. But I've, I've had like very little moments with him. Same with Buzz Williams. And it just makes the experience, you know, I, I think sometimes we feel like we're being the villains, especially after a, a tough loss or something that, you know, we're just trying to do our job too. So to connect with the people like we, we started with, with the podcast is it's not so much just the sport, but it's what the little moments and the, the intricacies and the societal part of it that make it such a cool thing to cover. Cause it's not just about a, a, a round ball going into hoop. It's about like the experiences you gain along the way. Right. Now you, now you brought up Buzz Williams, so you're going to, you're going to hear a story whether you want to or not. Let's do and it. It's related to, it's related to the tournament. Um, to an extent, but because I do the baseball, and, and, and honestly, at this point, it's it's like 90% baseball, 10% college use, but it hasn't always been that ratio. Um, when Joe Madden, the year after he took the Rays to the World Series, I went down to spring training the next year. I did, we used to, in the magazine, we have what we call sporting news conversations, where it's basically we talk to intriguing minds in the sport, and I was in Joe's uh, office in spring training on in Fort Charlotte, Florida. It's like an hour and a half. We just talked about everything, you know, some baseball, some wine, some whatever kind of conversation came up. And we talked for a long time. And we ran the, the story in the magazine. Well, this is when Buzz was at Marquette. He had his media guy email me and say, hey, look, Buzz read the, sto- the, the conversation. He loved it. I know when you do these things, you only run a portion in the magazine. So you only have space for that. He's like, Buzz would love to buy the rest of that interview so he can read it because he loves reading, you know, the best minds in sports and managers, yeah. coaches, and see how they do. 
And I was like, okay, well, first of all, I'm not selling anything to Buzzworthy. <laughs> yeah, okay. You can have it. Right. I was like, you're welcome to have it. The only thing I ask is if you ever use it, just mention it came from Sporting News. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. So now, mind you, I've, I've never met Buzz um, personally. So a couple of years go by. Don't think, don't, don't think anything of it. I happen to be at a tournament site where Marquette is. And this is, it's at least two years later, probably three years later. You know, and you know how they do when they do the press conferences. You have to raise your hand yep. to who you are. So I say, you know, and I had a legit question I was going to ask about Marquette's opponent, something like that. And so I, you know, I raised my hand, grabbed the microphone, say, hey, I'm Ryan Fagan with Sporting News. And before I can spit out my question, he goes, my man, <laughs> thank you so much for that Joe Madden stuff. And I remember just thinking, are you kidding me? You know, I've never met him totally out of the blue. And that's how Buzz Williams' mind works, though. You know, there have been a lot of things written on, you know, on the way that he thinks about things and the way he approaches things and the way he remembers things. And, you know, I, I heard all that, and you think, yeah, that's cool, but it doesn't really happen. It really does happen. And I just remember thinking, I don't know anyone else that would have had that reaction that quickly, um, randomly, out of nowhere. But it was, yeah, that, that really told me a lot about about Buzz Williams and the kind of the way his mind works. I want to just keep telling stories because they're so awesome <laughs> and it's crazy and I'm not making this up. I have literally almost the exact same Buzz Williams story. Went out on the road trip to cover, we were in our Wisconsin end of the uh, the trip. We did a Marquette game. They were playing Pittsburgh um, and so we, we sat with them afterwards and chit-chatted and he had read our site because he's a, a, he, a voracious reader of yeah. articles and Everything. books and, and whatnot. He's a really cool dude. And, um, you know, so that was January 2012. Um, I took the job at Sporting News in June of 2013. Uh, and then ACC Media Day uh, was at the Hilton right near the Sporting News office. And that was right when Buzz had gotten the job at Virginia Tech. So I was like, and they, their roster was depleted. And, you know, at yeah. Media Day's, don't even bother trying to get a quote from Coach K or Roy because there's a thousand other people. And I was like, I'll go up and talk to Buzz. And and again, it was like I went to be like, hey, I got a question. He was like, what are you doing here? You you following <laughs> me? And and again, this is like two, three years later. He's like, I remember you from you and your buddy were driving across the country and stopped by and talked to Jay Crowder. And, and I was like, how do you – and I don't even remember what I wrote for me today. It didn't matter because – that that was the experience like that's what made it. it it's it's those experiences that uh when websites end and we're all just doing stuff on apple watches all we'll have to tell are the stories to each other yep. and those are how we remember things and it's when i'm if i'm ever done with college hoops it will be these stories that we're telling that connect me to the game and it's i never want that to change because they're some of the greatest experiences of my life. Yeah, without a doubt. So this was awesome. Again, I wish I could do this forever because you have <laughs> so many experiences from hoops and, and it's just awesome this time of year to just go back and forth. But alas, you know, we've run out of time. We don't want to take up too much of the, the listener's time. Ryan, it's, it's always awesome to talk to you. Uh, we really need to do this again soon and, you know, hope yep. the rest of the month treats you uh, exceptionally well. 
Same, Troy. And that's going to do it for this edition of the March Only Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, subscribe, listen on SoundCloud or iTunes. And, of course, shout out to Tim Shovers, producer Tim Shovers. He's the guy who's putting all these podcasts together. One of the best in the business. Dude, I get to sit next to every day at my desk. Really smart guy. If you ever need podcast help, look up Tim Shovers. He's the guy for the job. And as the tournament keeps going. It's college hoops time, NCAA team stand on the grind, all sweat, no pain. Homie, we want more. Lock up, loose ball, man, we diving on the floor. Working in preseason, ready for the chance. Working in deep season, ready for the dance. Ready for tip off, ready for tip off, ready for tip off, ready for tip off. It's college hoops.